All right, we're in this series, Jesus Works, and we're in Matthew chapter 9. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll bring one to you right from the back. We want everybody to have a Bible in their hand. You know, when I first saw this set, it reminded me of the guy that had been, uh, his plane crashed and he was stranded on a desert island. When they finally rescued him 10 years later, they had, he had three structures like this on the island. And they said, what's that one? They said, well, that's my house. I said, what's that one? They said, that's my church. I said, what's that other one? He said, that's the church I used to go to. So we need all the strong churches we can get. And uh, we're looking at uh, kind of our church uh, and uh, in light of the scripture of what Jesus says. And this passage today is pretty important on this. There's uh, six major themes that come up out of this one little passage. And for the scholars among you, if you look, we're starting Matthew 9.35 today. But if you look at Matthew 4.23, you'll find an identical verse. And so it's kind of like, is this passage the conclusion of what we've been looking at, where Jesus goes preaching and teaching and doing miracles? Or is this, as he's basically saying, I need help from the disciples and heading them that direction. So we'll have to wait and answer that in September. Um, but I want you turning with me to Matthew chapter 9. We're going to start verse 35, and the scripture is going to be up there on the board. And this, these three or four little verses are so important, I would challenge you to memorize them this week. This is worth committing to memory. Let's read it together. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages. Come on, I can't hardly hear you. Ready? Start over. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction and when he saw the crowds he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd then he said to his disciples the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few therefore pray earnestly to the lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest so we're looking at this, and there are, like I say, there are six major passages that come out of this little, or six major themes that come out of this little passage that are foundational to us here at church of things that we're saying, this is what God's word tells us, so this is what we're going to do. And so we've prioritized them to say, how do we be about this? And uh, I concur with Mike. I sure hope you're here at our annual meeting. We only have one a year. I guess that's why it's called an annual meeting. And, and, and it's worth uh, getting to be here. But the first thing that I want to draw to this theme, out of this passage, is the authority of God's word. The authority of God's word that... Uh, though this ministry of the word that Jesus had, that he goes from all the, going to, his goal was to get to all the cities, cities, all the villages, and to teach in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. He is sharing the word of God. Now, we believe that Jesus is God, come in human flesh. And so that if Jesus is God, then every word Jesus spoke is the word of God. Wouldn't you agree? And um, so we are going to treat God's word with great respect. It's the word of God. We have a high view of scripture. And over and over and over in the Bible, it talks about God's word as a guide to our lives. It's, 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 it, it talks about itself that it's inspired, that God's spirit is the one that gave people the ideas that they wrote down. And in, so if you write down some of these references, you can look at some of this later. But in Deuteronomy 8.3, it says, man shall not live by bread alone. Man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jeremiah the prophet picked up on this in Jeremiah 15, 16, and he said, your words were found and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. So Jesus came along. He, you know, they'd already had about 1,600 years of recorded word of the written word of God, written over 1,600 years, the Old Testament, 39 different books, and... Um, <clears throat> 
Jesus comes along and he shares uh, his teaching and those words are written down as well and that's added to uh, the word of God that had already been given to people before that. In 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul said, All scripture is breathed out, of God, out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So that it's not just somebody's good idea. Oh, I wrote this great book. No, they were inspired. God breathed out the scripture. He, he gave it to people. They got to write it down, and they got their fingerprints all over it. But God's word comes through. Hebrews 4 says the same thing. Hebrews 4, 12, and 13. For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow. It's discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight. All are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. God sees everything. You can't hide. You can't pretend. You can't fake it. And see, what the Bible says is authoritative to us. The books in the Bible form the basis for what we believe and what we teach and what we practice, what we live by. In fact, 2 Peter 1.21 says, For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now, when the Old Testament was put together, Jesus, in his life, saw that as authoritative. He referred to it as scripture, as a word from God. In fact, after Jesus died and rose from the dead, there were a couple of his followers that were walking, it's called the Emmaus Road, because it's seven miles from Jerusalem, this little town of Emmaus. They were walking there, and they were talking with each other how disappointed they were that Jesus hadn't thrown out the Romans and become the savior and the... the, uh, uh, that they had expected, the Messiah that they had planned. And suddenly the stranger's walking alongside of them, and then he's explaining the scriptures to them how Jesus was the answer to all the prophecies from the Old Testament. And later as they talked about it, they said to each other, did not our heart burn within us as he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? Jesus was using the Old Testament as authoritative scripture. So if you're brand new to saying, I don't know where to get started in the Bible, take your Bible and go right to the very beginning with me. Go find the table of contents, okay? It's right near the beginning. Because there are 66, they call them books in, in this one book. There's 66 books and 39 of them in the Old Testament, 27 in the New. And in the Old Testament section, it's kind of, there's four sections there. There's the books of Moses that are kind of the books of the beginning, the first five books. And it talks about creation and then it talks about God calling an individual and that then becoming a people and then the epic book really is the book of Exodus God taking them out of slavery in Egypt and into freedom in the promised land and that is really the story of the Bible God taking people out of slavery and into freedom the New Testament story is the same out of slavery to sin into freedom that there is in Christ and so uh, those first five books to kind of get things started. God gives the law, and he uh, gives directions how to set up a priesthood and a, and a temple so that he could live among his people. Well, then you have uh, history books. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st, uh, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, and uh, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther are all kind of history books telling some of the story of uh, the, the people of Israel and how God interacted with them. And uh, all the way through the times where judges were in charge and then kings and then they got hauled off into captivity and then they came back. And um, then you have five books, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon that are called wisdom literature. Kind of grouped together, there's poems, there's prayers, there's songs, there's a love story, um, there's wise sayings, things that they've noticed. 
And then the rest of the Old Testament is the prophets, the, the preachers that said, thus says the word of the Lord. And they were talking to the judges or to the kings or to the people, live a righteous life. And so they have major prophets, which were the longer books, and then minor prophets, which was the shorter books. It's, uh, it's no uh, reflection on their ministry, just how much <laughs> they wrote down. And so there's kind of the Old Testament that Jesus used as authoritative. So if it was authoritative for him, it is for us too. And then if you look at the New Testament while they're in the uh, contents, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the stories of, uh, of uh, Jesus. They're biographies. And uh, then you have the book of Acts. It's called the Acts of the Apostles. It's really the Acts of the Spirit of God through the church. And it goes to the story of taking 11 scared people hiding in a closet that they locked to a world faith in 30 years. And then all the rest of the books are letters. So you have the biographies, a history book, and then all the letters to different churches or individuals. So if you were to start in the Old Testament, you'd want to read, I think, the book of Exodus and the book of Psalms, because that gets you into David's uh, diary. And then in the New Testament, uh, pick one of the Gospels, probably Matthew, since that's the one we've been working out of. Um, and the, the book, then the book of Acts would be pretty interesting. And I suppose pick one of the letters like Ephesians or something. But this is God's word. And we're just, we believe that this is foundational to our faith. So every sermon is going to actively interact with God's word. Every small group, every Sunday school, every growth group is going to base their discussions on God's word. The passage that Pastor Derek read as we began from Isaiah 55, my word that goes forth from my mouth, God said, will not return to me void. It will accomplish what I please and it will prosper the thing for which I sent it. So I wanted you to see the whole story of South Shores today because we're getting ready for our annual meeting and looking over this and how do we interact with the scripture. So Pastor Derek has done an outstanding job putting together some little clips. So he's going to talk to us uh, about how we put this uh, truth that God's word is foundational to us into practice here at South Shores. At South Shores Church, we value God's word as the primary means to grow us into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. It is by the preaching, teaching, discussing, and digesting of God's word each week that we learn the plans and promises of God centered on the person of Jesus Christ. It cost Jesus everything. It cost him heaven. It cost him his life. To break the power of sin and evil in your life cost Jesus everything. It did not come cheap. Didn't need smoke, didn't need mirrors, didn't need fireworks, no snake oil. Just his simple, God-authoritative touch. Jesus says, I am willing, be clean. And even as our focus is on Christ, it's not by our own power because we naturally have a tendency to want to look down at our temptations and the Holy Spirit keeps, keeps bringing us back. You'd find a different doctor because that doesn't work for you. That goes against what it means to be a doctor. Doctors help those who are sick to get better, and that's Jesus's mission too. God's word is central to each of our ministries, from children and youth to seniors, to small groups, worship, and all the rest. Each week, our teaching team gathers to discuss and work through the text, so we'll be ready to share God's word with the church. Bible-based questions and leader guides are put together based on the same passage as the Sunday message. Groups meet on campus and in homes, studying God's Word, whether in sermon-based groups or in other forms of Bible studies. 
I started attending South Shores in September of this year. I had just come out of college and I was experiencing a lot of, of doubts and struggling with my faith a lot. Um, but being in a small group gave me a place to kind of ask questions and to hear the faith of other people and that really strengthened my faith. Um, and also because of the kind of small group I was in, I got to see a really beautiful picture of the church, um, just multi-generational and people coming from all different walks of life coming together and centering themselves on Christ. Every week we would discuss uh, what we heard on Sunday and I thought that was a really good way to get started because it's one thing to hear a sermon on Sunday and it's, sometimes it's easy to kind of passively sit there and just receive it but not really put it into action or think about how it affects your life. And in small group, um, we were able to dive deeper into it and to find applications for how um, we could live it out. After I was in a small group for a while, I transitioned to leading a group for people my own age. Um, and I think I was very anxious when I started that because I was afraid that I would say something wrong or that somebody else would say something wrong. And I know that you know the way we think has real consequences. And so I was very stressed out about that and started to worry about having to, having to control everything. Um, and then once I led my first group, I realized that I didn't have to worry about that, that God had everything under control. And whenever someone said something that I wasn't quite sure about, somebody else would jump in and, and provide encouragement. And it was just really um, good for me to see that the Lord was the one who was completely in control. He was sovereign over the outcome of, of the group, and that gave me a lot of peace. I've had the pleasure of getting involved in one of the Wednesday groups last year, and uh, we became uh, quite close as we discussed Pastor Ty's message. We got to talk about our own personal problems as well that uh, come from being a Christian, the challenges we have, and what I discovered is that everybody has kind of the same challenges I do, so I certainly didn't feel alone in being a Christian. The one-on-one -on -one contact with people that I can relate to, that understand me, being in the group, I find I get a stronger message from the Lord. Not so much due to repetition, because we, we're all quoting the same verse, but the fact that we all have different relationships with what, how we are inspired by the Lord. And it inspired me when I heard other people's story about how the good things, the wonderful things the Lord has provided them with. I got a thrill out of that. I'd never been in a small group like that before, where you're talking with members of our church, strong Christians, in a group of five or six and it gives you such an enthusiasm for the Lord. I, I recommend it to anybody. Another way that our church has been working to get more of God's word into the daily lives of our people is through social media and through our blog posts. We are using the tools of Facebook and Instagram to put regular quotes and scriptures into your news feeds to engage and encourage you during the week. And if you haven't already checked it out, visit southshores.org to help you connect God's Word to your life through articles and other resources on our blog. We believe that God's Word is at work in our church. Jesus works for us. So God's Word is foundational, and we're going to be interacting with it and saying, how does it affect our lives, whether you're Rachel starting your first Bible study or today in the last service, Ruthie, who turned 100 this week. Right? And uh, we just, yeah, it was worth celebrating. She said she knew the secret to old age. Keep breathing. 
So the second uh, foundational truth that we want to draw out of this passage is the compassion ministry of Jesus. He went around preaching the gospel of the kingdom, but also he was healing uh, people from their illnesses and diseases. And we want to be fully devoted followers of Christ. So we want to do what Jesus did. And he told us, greater works than I do, you will do. Uh, He was going to the Father. His spirit was going to empower the church. So we, uh, as fully devoted followers, follow him into compassion ministry. Well, I heard about a guest who was going to the White House, and at the time, President Calvin Coolidge was there, but the guest said, I don't know how to act. What's the protocol? What do you do when you're at the White House? And somebody said to him, well, just watch the president and kind of take your cues from him and just kind of copy what the president does. So they're sitting down to dinner, and things got started pretty well, and then as the meal is progressing, uh, the president uh, reached up and he took, he had a saucer with a cup uh, and he took the cup and he set it aside. So the guest took his cup off his saucer and set it aside. And then the president pulled the saucer over closer to his plate. So, so the guest pulled his over closer to his plate. And then the president got uh, one of the bread rolls and he started taking little pieces off of it, putting it on the saucer. So the guest did the same. He got a piece of bread and, and uh, put it on the saucer. And then the president got the uh, creamer like you'd put in your coffee and he poured some on the, onto the saucer. And this, the guest thought, this is kind of weird. I mean, I'm at a presidential dinner. And so then he pours some on his saucer. And then the president took the saucer and set it down on the floor for his cat. <laughs> now, <laughs> we imitate Jesus because it really works, that we do the works of Christ. We are his eyes and ears, his hands and feet in this world. We want to think like Jesus. We want to respond like Jesus. We want to care like Jesus. We want to love like Jesus. And he basically came and said to his followers, do as I do. And he has this overwhelming compassion for people. He went healing their diseases and their afflictions, and he sees the crowd, and he has compassion for them. And uh, so he's reaching out to meet their needs. And at the end of the book of Matthew, one of the last things he says to the disciples at the end of his ministry, he says, look, it's going to be like this. Everybody's going to be gathered together, and the king, is, the shepherd's going to separate the sheep from the goats. Then he's going to look at the sheep and he's going to, the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared from you, for you from the foundation of the world. Because I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the, the righteous ones are going to say, Lord, when did we do all that stuff to you? When were you hungry and we fed you? When were you thirsty and we gave you something to drink? And on and on and on. And he says, inasmuch as you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. So if you and I knew God's word by heart, if we memorized the whole book, if we could quote it chapter and verse at a time, but if we did it without caring about people's needs, it's not enough. It's not enough just to know God's word in your head. It has to impact our hearts and have to reach out and care for the people around us. John Wooden was the coach who said, when we're out of sympathy with the young, your work in this world is over. And we want to be caring for people who need compassion. And so we practice compassion in a plethora of ways here around South Shores. But Pastor Micah is going to give us an update on some of the key ways that we're currently practicing compassion to the world around us. Listen up. At South Shores, we believe that becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus calls us not only to take care of our church body, 
but the surrounding community as well. We speak the gospel and we live out the gospel. We are Jesus' hands and feet to our community and to our neighbors. In the gospels, we witness Jesus taking care of many physical needs alongside spiritual ones, and we aim to do the same. We don't want anyone in our community to be neglected, but we want them to be thriving in all areas of life. For us, this is lived out by providing consistent, Christ-centered support through a variety of means. We see this primarily in two ways. We have the wonderful Feed the Need ministry and our brand new homeless ministry. Feed the Need serves families in need by facilitating and distributing groceries to 50 to 60 families per week. During the time I've been involved with Feed the Need, we've been able to develop a wonderful community of volunteers as well as a great outreach to the community by serving food that comes in from the various stores. I'm particularly blessed by the interaction with the guests. I have a letter that I'd like to read that we received right about Christmas time. It was from one of our guests. It says, to all the saints who serve at Feed the Need, I wanted to thank all who give so graciously through serving so many of us who, can, who come each week. I can't express my gratitude enough not only for the pre provisions, but for the sacrifice of time and hard work everybody puts in faithfully week after week, rain or shine. But I'm most thankful for the love, compassion, and authentic care and concern shown to each of us as it truly lessens the burden, as dignity is sometimes hard to hold on to at times when needs are great. But the grace given to and the respect shown to all that come here is abundant. It testifies to the love of God more than any sermon I have ever heard at any church. I pray that God will bless each of your lives abundantly and will give back to you sevenfold the blessings you have given out. Another area in which we are providing resources and time is our new homeless ministry. We have teamed up with the city of Dana Point and other local Christian churches to provide support in the expanding homelessness in our local area. As the date got closer and closer to helping, I started to get really scared and nervous about working with the homeless. Um, I know that there's mental illness that runs in the homeless community and alcohol addiction and drug addiction, and I really didn't know what to expect. And uh, as the day drew closer, I prayed about it and I just realized and started to focus on how Jesus loves everyone. And these are human beings that Jesus loves. So I just gave my nerves and my fears over to God. And when I showed up, it was a very positive experience. Everyone there was very kind and generous. And the people who came there for help, they were, um, they were just like all of us. When I'd see them come in and I would watch their stuff, and when they'd come back to collect it, they were like new people. They looked great. They had new clothes on. They were clean. And I know God's at work. I have, uh, a couple weeks ago, I was at the grocery store and I saw one of the employees working there and I recognized him. It took me a minute, but I did realize that I had watched his bike uh, 
few weeks before that, and he's there working at this grocery store, and I just know that God had a hand in that, that it, this group of people that come together to help these people move up in life, and it's working in our community. We believe we serve Christ in serving the least of these in our local area. Jesus works through us. We want to be those kind of people whose lives are founded on God's word and we're known for our compassion. And uh, this year, in fact, the chief of police was the one for Dana Point said, we just have to talk about this. Homelessness is just getting bigger and worse and we need the help of you and other churches. Would you help? And so we met with him and uh, Pastor Chris DeLeo has been on the forefront of that. It's been like riding a bucking bronco, but uh, we're, we're still on the horse and uh, helping to see that ministry uh, come to fruition in a way that says uh, we, we share because we have the compassion of Christ and uh, we want to be those kind of people. And so when we look at compassion, I mean, even this last year, a couple of huge examples of, you know, they asked in Nigeria for us to help provide the money for 90 wells, and uh, you provided the money for 120 wells. And uh, also just reaching unengaged people, groups in uh, Nepal. In fact, somebody said, you know, you have 500 new believers in your two groups. They're no longer can, can be considered unengaged or unreached people groups. You've reached them. And, uh, but we're providing a fourth year for evangelists to continue to go into that area uh, just to see that work continue. And then what uh, the compassion that's shown here at home for the Marines is just exemplary. So, I, I mean, you've excelled, and, and we're on a great track, and there's so much more that we could do to show the compassion of Christ. And then the third thing that I want to lift up from this passage is the without a shepherd, the growing leaders. Jesus was, they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And uh, this importance of leadership, that uh, people need godly leadership. And uh, everything rises and falls on leadership. Which, in fact, next weekend when we're having our annual meeting, that's one of the main things we're going to do is elect our new leaders. And, and we do that every year so that they help to keep us on track. And uh, so I want you here for that. But in Zechariah, the prophet said, Therefore the people wander like sheep. They're afflicted for lack of a shepherd. And Moses, near the end of his life, was praying to God. He actually decided he needed to advise God. Isn't that kind of funny? You ever tried that? And in Numbers 27, it's, he's praying to God. He says, now let the Lord, the God of the Spirit of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. I think it's kind of funny since God could have said, Moses, I've thought of that before. In fact, that's why I called you, right? And, uh, but Moses saw that it was an example that worked, a model that worked, that God had called a person and equipped them to be the leader and so that people could follow. I mean, this idea of a shepherd with his sheep, uh, a great picture, of course, is Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And I shall not walk, and on and on, how the, the sheep is protected and blessed and fed and watered and comforted and cared for by the shepherd. You know, sheep don't stand a chance without the shepherd. Even if a predator doesn't show up, they can get themselves confused and tangled up and twisted around and disoriented and focused on the wrong things and bolting off the wrong direction. They need a shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd. They need a leader. 
And God has determined his people are the same way. And in the Old Testament, he provided leaders of judges and kings and prophets. And in the New Testament, he provided apostles and pastors and missionaries. And in fact, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, he said, he gave himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. All those are leaders. To do what? To equip the saints to do the work of ministry. So that we grow up in our faith and we're unified and we're together and we grow into the fullness of Christ. So I want us to listen to Pastor Cammie as she talks about, gives us an overview of the kind of leadership the young in our church are receiving. As South Shores, we value equipping believers to lead others as we all become more like Christ. You see, every follower of Jesus has been gifted for ministry. By identifying and developing those gifts, we can all experience the joy of serving God as He has created each one of us to do. In children's ministry and youth ministry, we strive to identify and equip people who have been uniquely gifted by God to guide, to teach, and to nurture the next generation. By teaching God's Word, by bathing our ministries in prayer, and by investing in relationships with kids, we want to point them towards their need for Christ's leadership in their life. We also want to help them identify the gifts that God has given them and start them on a lifelong journey of doing the ministry that God has designed them to do. We sit in a circle during the beginning and we get to discuss with them what the large group video was about and we go over prayers sometimes and we pray over the kids. I remember being in Mrs. Guy's first grade Sunday school class and now I get to be the person that gets to share the gospel to the first graders. I want every baby that comes to South Shores to feel safe and loved and have always had a passion for babies. As a mom, I know how important it is to have like-minded Christ mentors in children's lives. Having the opportunity to watch my daughter teach children about Jesus, loving them, praying with them, and serving alongside of her is just an amazing blessing. As a junior higher and a fifth grader, they're already experiencing the joy of serving in God's ministry. My relationship with Jesus really started here, you know, because before I, I kind of knew about Jesus and, you know, I, I did have some kind of connection, but it wasn't until here that I fully devoted my life to Him. You know, I was kind of on the fence before. And, um, you know, the people here, the leaders are amazing, you know, they've really helped me grow. I help lead worship. I play the cajon, the box drum thing, and it, it's helping me learn for the future, you know, to take responsibility to, you know, get here and to play. And at the same time, I'm here to learn from my leaders and I'm here to learn from the sermons. I really like to take good notes because the speakers are really motivating and what they are saying really encourages me to write down really good notes. And all my notes, I like to write down in my journal and show the paper so I can go back and read them. I really love doing art, so I volunteered to make some journals. So memorize the verses and you can get a journal that I made. 
and then they needed someone to uh, to jump in to, to help with the sixth graders a year and a half ago, and uh, boy, I jumped at the chance of that, uh, just to be able to go ahead and and work with those uh, those middle schoolers. So I started with sixth grade boys, and now they're seventh grade, and again, just uh, just having a ball with these uh, these these young men, just the uh, the ability to. To tell them what uh, who God is, um, what plans uh, God has for them, and uh, you know, started off thinking that I was going to go ahead and serve and, and and do something for the Lord, but uh, you know, as it turns out, I'm getting so much more out of it. Uh, just did not uh, to expect to just uh, enjoy it uh, so much. Most of the leaders, or at least myself, what's, what's unique about our ministry is that um, for me in particular, I get to be with these boys through sixth grade, then seventh and eighth, and all the way through high school. What's special about that is you get seven years that you get to, to perhaps mold these young men. And uh, I even tell them, I hope one day that uh, I get invited to your wedding. So this isn't like we're in and out of their lives. We're trying to you know, feed them and let them know that we as leaders here, uh, we want to be part of your life. South Shore's church is richly blessed with believers who are leading others to become closer to Christ. Jesus works through us. Mm -hmm. I get blessed every time I see those guys. Uh, watching uh, young people grow and uh, people serving with children and with youth, to have 47 young people that just got back from camp, to have uh, one Sunday we had over 116 children in Sunday school on one Sunday. So if you're wondering, hey, is there any job I could do? Well, yeah, you could probably help in some capacity <laughs> and, you know, get to get to share the compassion that way. So there's three major things in this that we've been talking about today that we draw right out of this passage that are important to us. What are they? God's Word. Compassion and growing leaders, and uh, we're gonna we're committed to these as priorities, and we're gonna pursue them with uh, with zeal, with passion. So there's three more in the passage. I'm gonna save them for next Sunday. Give you some clues what to look for: prayer, service, and the good news. So uh, why don't you stand with me and let's read this passage one more time on our way to getting it memorized? All right. Can you pull up the scripture there for us? And let's read. Ready? One, two, three, go. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring about us so much that you would come into this world yourself, that you would share God's word with us, that you would demonstrate compassion over and over and over for people who didn't deserve it, people just like us, and that you would grow leaders to Help the, your people be strong and to be focused and to be intentional. And I pray that uh, as we look at what your priorities are, we will follow you. We will do what Jesus did. And uh, we will believe as you believed and we will teach as you taught and we will live as you lived and we will represent you to this world and people will connect with Jesus through us and find salvation and hope and eternal life. And we thank you that you work and that you work through us. 
Amen.